Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Good morning. Morning. How's it going? Hello. Oh, so good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Thank you so much for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule. Oh, Um, mate, of course. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation because you are one inspiring person and um, (laughs) yeah, thank you, thank you. Uh, you I'm I'm sure you've got like limited time as it is, so we'll just jump straight in because um, yeah, well, I mean, there's so many places to start and there's so much to get through. So if you're comfortable, we'll just get you to introduce yourself and then start away with kind of how you've got to this point and then I'm sure there's so much we can discuss from this point on all your plans your vision your all your work in the kindness space so um who are you first of all uh, as in my name or? yeah like who are like your name what you stand for obviously there's so much of your your story and your journey that I want to talk about because you're just amazing um but I haven't yeah, well, said your name <laughs> yeah, no, well, I'm Kath Koshal. Um, no more special than the next person, but um, I guess I'm a motivational oh, so speaker, um, <laughs> motivational speaker, founder of Kindness Factory, uh, Kindness Curriculum, uh, now an author, which is good fun. Can, yes, cool. congrats. <laughs> yeah, wild experience to say the least. Um, uh, and I guess most most uh, proudest of being a, a world's best auntie. So auntie of five nephews and one niece. So they oh sort my of gosh, yeah, wow, that's world gonna and, keep you busy. Yeah, yeah. So I love spending time with those guys. But uh, yeah, no, 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 no more special than an ex person. Just have a very different or unique life, I think. So yeah, I mean that's super humble of you. And um, similar to a lot of guests I have on this um, pod, is that they just yeah. I guess everyone assumes that their life is just a life and everyone obviously has a story and once you've lived through it and you've learned from the challenges and you've gone through all the um strength building and it's everyone can just be really humble with it but your story is fascinating and I was trying to think essentially how I crossed paths with you and it was a little bit of um the world being really small and your friends with someone that I used to play cricket with but I actually heard about you initially on a different podcast, and I think this was about two years ago. I, I'm pretty sure you spoke to Richard Feidler on ABC Conversations. Is that right? Or am I just totally making that up? Um, <laughs> well, this is going to sound really, um, really bad, but I, I never keep a track of who I'm no, talking to enough. and stuff. So okay. I have but, been on ABC. I'm not sure who the, the host was or how it all happened. But, obviously um, a memorable conversation. <laughs> but it was, it was for me. And then... Um, basically I'd love if you could summarize it's going to be better in your words than in mine I've told a lot of people about your story over the years partly because um, I love cricket that's like a little tentative link but just in terms of your ethos for life spreading kindness um, making the world a better place and leaving a legacy so um, how long first of all how long have you got I don't want to um yeah, I've got about 45, so I have to jump Beautiful. Okay, beautiful. So um, let's maybe just spend the next 10, 15. I'll just listen and you can just tell everyone. I'm sure you've got this down pat. You've probably repeated this story many times, but what you feel comfortable sharing, just to put it in context, what you've gone through and what's led you to this point now. Yeah, I mean, I think with, um, you know, the most people I speak to around the world, um, you know, through adversity and suffering, 
uh, sometimes comes great opportunity and that's not opportunity in the way of you creating a, a global kindness movement, but more so an opportunity to see, um, I guess, the depths of the despair that you're in, but also just the humanity or the humane side that can come through suffering. And um, I'm someone whose life has has had their fair share of adversity. I, you know, I've broken my back on two separate occasions. Um, I've been through some significant grief and loss um, throughout all of that adversity as well. And um, I don't think you go through that much adversity without receiving a lot of kindness in the process. And so um, essentially, I guess, throughout my struggles, so physical, you know, being told I'd never walk again and having broken my back, but then also emotionally, I've, I've struggled pretty deeply with mental health, mental illness, sorry, for that matter, um, throughout those struggles of, you know, losing my partner to suicide back in 2012. And um, I, I guess having suffered all of that, you know, you don't come through that on the on the right side of it, you know, thriving in life and things like that without receiving a lot of goodness and kindness. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guess when I came out of that adversity and, and out of the depths of those struggles that I had, um, which was purely just by circumstance, uh, life circumstance, really, I'd sort of been dealt a few heavy blows. Um, I just recognized that I'd received a lot of kindness and I just simply wanted to pay forward that kindness. <clears throat> so that's how Kindness Factory was born, really. It was just me recognizing, I'd, you know, I'd received a lot and I wanted to just give back. And mm, yeah. um, and now it's sort of inspired a, yeah, a global movement of kindness. I think 5 million people have logged an act of kindness now. And, um, yeah, it's been this journey that has taken my breath away Um and I feel like it's a journey I'm no longer in <clears throat> in control of, but in the most amazing ways, I'm completely comfortable with that. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty special. And, um, yeah, now I've yeah, written a book about it. I, I travel the world as a motivational speaker, which if you asked me that, you know, if that would be my career 10 years ago, I probably would have laughed in your face. So um, yeah. life, life's amazing and it can be so amazing if we let it be and if we sort of, I guess, let go of the control that we, we, you know, and the idea of what we thought we would be or thought or, or where we would be, I guess, and, and just sort of um, ride the wave that, that can come. So, um, yeah, I love my life. It's, it's very chaotic. It's very busy, but you couldn't pay me any, man, any amount of money in the world to change what I do either. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. There's so much to take from that. First of all, I think the importance of what we focus on, because Obviously, everyone's story is different, but those that will listen to my podcast and know my life will know that I went through a ton of um, challenges in my teens, in my 20s, in my earlier years. And for sure, there was a time or a switch. I'm not sure if this was the case for you, where suddenly just like light bulb went on instead of focusing on all the pain and all the kind of um, the struggles and a bit of a victim mentality, Mm. totally changed my perspective. And that's one of your chapters, actually, in your book about um, we actually get a choice on what we can focus on and by almost chance well it's not chance it's I think it's a universal energy but what we focus on grows um it's kind of no secret so it's fantastic that by like changing your focus to recognize the kindness consciously probably subconsciously initially and then going actually I'm just going to really focus and remember and be grateful and look at all the people that have helped me along the way you just grow more of that and it's not it's not saying that whatever happened to you didn't happen. It's certainly not um, belittling all the experiences that you went through, but it just changes the perspective to that of a positive one where you can, like you say, it's an opportunity, um, which is a funny thing 
a funny way to describe something really harrowing and really horrendous is as an opportunity but I would certainly say that about my past as well that I can see it has informed now my desire to give back and to help um which for some people listening might be a really weird way to approach it like what do you mean I've gone through heartache and pain and struggles how's that an opportunity but um yeah would you, would you resonate with that and say that you had a conscious moment of oh, I can actually use this for good and use all of my struggles in a positive way or it kind of grew more organically mm-hmm. No, I think it was very organic in like in the the early stages. I think um, now I sort of, you know, I'm not glad that the things that happened to me happened, but I am grateful in that I think with adversity and and suffering and all those sorts of things, um, you learn a lot about yourself in such a fast or turbocharged way almost. And in that sense, I'm actually quite grateful because I know that, you know, I know what makes me tick and I, and I guess you get a self-awareness and a self-acceptance about yourself that goes, um, I've seen myself in, you know, the harshest way possible where I've been the, in the depths of despair and so low mm. and, and worn out and, and at rock bottom and things like that. And, and I know what it takes to get out of that. And not many people can actually say that they, they know that about themselves. And in that sense, I think we can just accept ourselves and, and actually live a life that we're really proud of. Like, what I yes. do is not everyone's yeah. cup of tea, right? And I'm sure there are people out there that, you know, don't appreciate me and, and, and all the things that I do and all that How? Kind of stuff. I know. I disagree, Catherine. <laughs> it's not possible. Quite bo- no, I don't think there's any person on the planet that is perfect, right? So you're never going to be everyone's cup of tea. And so even when I first started, I remember people would, not in a mean way, um, but it, it certainly hurt a little bit when you'd go to people, you know, what are you doing now? And it's like, oh, I'm starting this movement of kindness. And oh, what's your goal? And it used to be to get one million acts of kindness. And mm, people would say, well, how, ma- how many have you got? And I'd say, oh, 10. And they're like, oh, and they'd start laughing. And, yeah. you know, and then you almost get that. And, and, it, and it never really, I didn't take offense to it, but I was also like, oh, they don't believe in this like I do. And, um, and that's completely okay. But you sort of have to, I guess have a strong enough guidepost and you know it sounds like I'm, I'm not fully across all of your story I'm across parts of it but you know um when you yeah go through things sometimes I think your care factor of what others think of you can can diminish a little bit as well it's like you can't hurt me any more than my life has hurt me um to this point so I guess one yeah. thing I have learned is that just because I'm super passionate about a specific thing doesn't mean that others have that same view and that's been quite challenging to accept but obviously everyone has a completely different focus in life and just because we're probably similar in that we essentially want to leave the world a better place than when we arrived and we want to spread kindness and happiness and I want to my my aim is to um, work in the mental health space and empower people through creative activities but Mm -hmm. not everyone has that on their radar like and that's okay but you just have to speak to those that are willing and ready and want to hear the message yeah Um, in terms of like it must be hard because okay I'm just going to hit the point this makes me sound like a bit of a ruthless businesswoman but in Mm -hmm. terms of making a living obviously we've all got a mortgage to pay we've got food to put on our plates how did you go about making this a sustainable, I'm going to call it a movement because I think it is, it's incredible, it's, it's got its own force, but was there ever a plan or you thought, right, week to week or I'll just donate my time and then see what comes of it? Like how did, how did it get to being able to afford to 
go around the world public speaking and yeah kind of skipped ahead a bit but that just came front of mind that question yeah that's okay um it's a good question because it's probably ties in like halfway through me writing a book last year um my psychologist actually said to me you know have you ever been tested for ADHD and I said oh no and I sort of giggled and I I said, oh my gosh, Cap, what, I've what just you mean? been told the same. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I sort of yeah. went on a journey after that of discovering that, yes, in fact, I do have ADHD and things like that, which made my whole life make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And ADHD can, you know, show up in many ways for many people and I'm, I'm combined type. And one of the biggest symptoms for me is that I can be quite impulsive um, mm-hmm. so the, the journey that I've just written about in book form that's, you know, selling really well and all that kind of stuff, which is deemed a success, uh, was purely done pretty much on impulse. I made a decision. I was going to leave my home with nothing but the clothes on my back. And I didn't really ask anyone, but one friend, um, and next minute it was on social media and I was going, uh, and not a lot of people would do that. But for me that, you know, that was the most, the thing that most made most sense to me at that point in my life. And. I sort of, I guess the diagnosis hasn't rattled me. You know, I'm hearing a lot of middle-aged women in particular come out with these new diagnoses and they almost feel like they have to grieve that process and say, well, I've missed out on a childhood because no one understood me. And, and that's completely yeah. okay. I don't want to diminish that. I've, I've not felt one ounce of sadness. I've just actually embraced it and I'm actually quite grateful for it because my life wouldn't be what it is without you know, my brain working in the way that it does. But with mm-hmm. that impulsivity in mind, I remember you know, starting the movement and, and, you know, we're high risk ADHD people, um, yeah, tend to be high risks, but with risk comes reward sometimes. And I was working full-time in sport and, um, as it grew, you know, in social media following and, um, and the opportunity to come to speak, I almost wanted to just immediately quit my job, which for the record, <laughs> would have been, it was That's my, what I did last year. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was my dream job until kindness, you know, kindness factory was born and I created that. And then, and then it was almost like, I can't get out of this place quick enough. Like this used to be my dream job. I was working in sport and, um, I remember just wanting to quit and a mentor of mine now, he's the chairman of kindness factory, Greg Healy, um, I think was watching me from afar who, you know, has got a very successful track record in, business sort of said you know can we do you want to catch up I'd, I'd love to be able to help you do this but I'd, I'd love you to sort of protect yourself and make sure you've got an income and all those sorts of things and as we sat down and we sort of started to build up a bit of a strategy and so for me I think you can google it um, we sort of used the island strategy so um, you know you've got two islands with a bridge in the middle almost or a pad in the middle um, mm-hmm. and the idea was that at the start I had both feet on the first island which was my full-time job and we wanted to get one foot in the middle and one foot on you know, the original island. So what that meant was, you know, I could slowly transition, you know, to three days a week in a full-time employment and then work the other two on building Kindness Factory. And, you know, I had, uh, I was living by myself at the time. Uh, I had a mortgage, all those sorts of things, which I was very lucky to have. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I got a flatmate in to sort of help me pay the bills if I wasn't getting as much income while I was building it up. And, um, there was a tough year in 2017, so I made the call to just, you know, I, I guess again the ADHD kicked in, and um, and I just went, I, I can't do both because I, I was sort of so fixated on building Kindness Factory that I, I didn't feel passionate enough about my job, and I'm sort of all in kind yes. of mentality a lot of the time. So I said, no, I've got to quit because I'm not doing this justice and I just truly believe in this. So quit. And I was relying predominantly on speaking alone and 
I was a very new speaker um, and I was only just, you know, I had to say no to the, you know, breakfast out with mates and, and I completely understand how privileged I must sound in saying that, that I couldn't afford, you know, avocado on toast. Yeah, no, but it's really, hum- it's actually really good to hear your very honest viewpoint of it. I read something the other day and this lady kind of was making a joke about how she'd accidentally become an artist. Obviously, I'm an artist, art therapist, so that spoke to me. And she was studying law and I, it just really irked me because I'm like, you can't accidentally become an artist full-time, kind of viral. And so it's really nice that you're actually showing or telling people that it's freaking hard work. It's probably less scary maybe because you're ADHD, but still really high risk. You've had to make sacrifices. Um, obviously, we live in a world where avo on toast is the normal meal, so I don't think that makes you sound privileged. That's just that's just Melbourne, guys. Um, but yeah, that's really that's really nice that you've you've kind of laid it out because for a lot yeah. of people, they probably I don't know maybe they did think oh you've just been given a handout, but no, in- no, quite quite the opposite. Yeah, um, yeah. How yeah, long I mean, did that last? Sorry to to cut you off. Carry on, but I'm just keen to know how long that traveling around with just your toothbrush and a couple of items in a bag. How long did that last for you? Yeah, so that went for two months and I was still in full-time employment. So I had to sort of take unpaid leave to, you know, I didn't know at the start. I sort of, I was at rock bottom and I'd spoken to my boss and said, I just, I had some annual leave built up and I said, I I don't know what I'm going to do. I just need some time off to to think and thankfully for me it was in winter and I was working in, in a summer sport. So that was good timing from that perspective. But when I sort of put this idea out there, he was like, how long are you going for? And I said, I actually have no idea. Um, and he said, well, you've got this much leave. And I said, look, I'll keep you up to date along the journey. And he was, he was a supportive boss, so he was following online, of course, as well. And, you know, as the stories kept coming out and the journey kept going, he sort of started going, reaching out, going, you're never coming back, are you? Like, this is, but he was, he wasn't saying it in a, you know, in a toxic way, he was just saying, this is amazing, mate, like do it as long as you want um, and gave me his blessing. But when I got back, um, I sort of finished the summer out. So I felt obliged given that they'd sort of given me so much in terms of flexibility and stuff like that. And I put my resignation in at the end of that summer. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I spent 2017 really trying to, you know, make ends meet with very limited speaking opportunities just because I was so new at it. as well as, you know, just little bits and pieces here and there. But also I think just giving myself a little bit of space to, just to continue to, I guess, climb out of the depths of everything that I'd been through as well and to conceptualise the journey that I'd been on. So, um, but- Was the two months, sorry, okay, I keep interrupting your flow, um, the two months that you were travelling around, taking that time away from work, was that mostly spent just consolidating thinking, giving yourself space, or were you really like proactive in using those two months when you were traveling around to work on the business? Or was it more work on yourself? No, no, it was no business work. So it was, yeah. Yeah, I, to be honest. Just time months, out. It, well, it wasn't even time out. It was such a full-on journey. I, I just wanted to be in the moment with all the people that I was interacting with. So um, essentially it was a blog really of me and where I'd be next. But for me, in between, you know, the social media posting and stuff like that was just genuine connection with human beings that I've written about. So, um, no, the journey was nothing about nothing more like it was no business strategy. It wasn't about building a business or making I made zero money. I was obviously getting by off the kindness of strangers. But 
Um, no, it Can you share one story that has stayed with you? Or I'm sure there's many in that time, but some standout, just like blown away acts of kindness that you just think, wow, that just gives me the, the you know, goosebumps every time I think about it. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like picking your favourite child or... I know, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Out of five tough. million, that's quite um, a yeah, oh, actually, so not on the journey. You mean one of the acts of Oh, kindness. either or. Maybe, yeah, just something that's come to mind as I asked that question over the over the years or even over that journey when you were maybe start there because that's what we're, yeah, yeah. focusing on. Um, well, we, on the journey itself, I was, you know, I probably don't want to single anyone out because I feel like they're all equally amazing and, I, yeah, I don't really want anyone to feel like they were better than or yes you know yeah sorry skip that part um <laughs> but you know there's many stories in the book that are that, that where we've I've uncovered and and disclosed a lot of the stories and the heartache and endurance that people on that journey showed me so um you can read any one of them and I think they'll blow your mind but um probably the the greatest act of kindness is from a you know we've had three people donate a kidney um so that's wow. been pretty mind blowing. Um, but it was a, it was a small kid, Sam, um, and this was probably in like 2018, and it's still just I don't know why. I think it's more so just the the innocence of children, but also the opportunity uh, that I think our youth or our kids have to to change the world. I think they're, they're you know they're so purpose driven, and I love hanging out with kids these days because. I always learn something and I, that's not tokenistic either. Like I love absorbing myself around kids because they're so um, righteous in their beliefs um, and, and they're so strong held in what they believe in, in terms of, you know, it might be climate action or mm-hmm. better lives for women and um, all these issues that I think, you know, my gen and above just haven't had the courage to uh, want to do something about. And, and so they, they inspire me every single day. But there was a young boy, he was five at the time, Sam, and um, he was at the grocery store with his mum and, you know, in the checkout, all that kind of stuff. And um, there was an older lady in front of them and she was trying to pay for her groceries and her credit card kept declining. Oh. and um he's five and he didn't really get with it was a bit of a commotion as you can imagine because she's very flustered and all that kind of stuff and he sort of taps his mum and says oh mum like you know what's going on sort of thing and you know how do you explain to a five-year-old about what what credit cards do and all that kind of stuff so she's like oh you know basically she can't pay for her groceries at the moment and he waits a minute and taps his mum again and says oh mum can I have my pocket money Oh God, that's yeah. so amazing! And she's, oh. oh, what do you thinking? It might be for a lolly or something like that. And you know, what do you want your pocket money for? And he said, nah, I'll, "I'll pay for him." And oh, of course, wow. a five-year-old didn't have enough cash. You know, he had two dollars to his name in pocket money or something like that. But you know, his action inspired his his mum's like, "Why the hell did I not think of that?" Like, so yeah. you know, she gets wow. her credit card out, has the means to do so, and, and pays for this woman's groceries and. Um, when I learned about that, I was like, this, you know, kids are, kids are amazing. And I think as adults, even, you know, my job now is to, I, I travel the world as a speaker and share all these stories and stuff like that. And, um, you know, adults, they get it, but they're also, I think, you know, again, like what we were saying before with adversity, you know, comes great opportunity, but also, you know, it can change the way that we view the world if it's, you know, been an, an abuse episode or something like that. There are many ways that we can suffer and endure adversity. adversity. And um, I think 
you know, as we grow through life, when we're born, like no one, kids, when you see kids in a playground that are three, they don't care what colour skin you have or what religion you're into or what music you like or um, anything like that. So somewhere along the way, you know, all these things get embedded into our consciousness um, Mm -hmm. that we have to judge and do all that kind of stuff. And I think as adults, you know, the vulnerability that we have is, uh, is probably more, less of a strength than, than, than what it is for kids. And so, I felt like with Kindness Factory, which is now, I guess, our target audience has become children because if we can instill the behaviours that they or, that already exist within them, like Sam wasn't the five-year-old boy at the checkout. He wasn't, you know, bombarded with Kindness Factory messaging. He just knew he could help and decided. Yeah, to- it's innate. It's, yeah, we want to we wanna come innate. together and help. And it's a learnt, um, it, we have to learn to unhelp people that's not a word but you know what I mean yeah yeah like no one's born to hate I genuinely believe that so it's it's the views that are instilled upon us um by external forces whomever and there's no judgment in doing that but could it be parental or you know teachers at school or other kids at school who have parents that have different belief system to our own parents and things like that that these little thoughts creep into our conscious stream and so what if we just kept the kindness going and the empathy going and all those sorts of things um yeah. And I guess that's why we're targeting younger audiences at the moment. Um, and I guess it comes from a place of judgment and fear that we, for whatever reason, can't relate to or understand or we don't share the same beliefs and we've got to withhold our kindness. So I guess stop judging people is easier said than done. But it's actually not hard if you just go, everyone deserves as much love and kindness as any other person on the planet everything every animal every 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 person um without any judgment and without fear and this is a really hard question that i'm about to ask i don't know if it's even possible but can you put into words and like we can feel it but can you put into words what you've witnessed from observing the um acts of kindness and how that physically affects people or the knock-on effect or I'm, I'm sure you can speak from your own your own experience but can we can we like put that into a sentence of the value and the um the longevity of one act of kindness and how that can impact everybody I mean it's so obvious but it's it's good to remind people of the importance of doing of daily acts of kindness yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a common question I've been asked more recently, probably in the last 12 months, because there's so much of this viral kindness out there now, you know, is it authentic? Like, so I guess the essence of the questions normally are, you know, if people are posting this on social media, like you're asking them to or logging them on your website, is that true kindness? And, um, mm. you know, and I'm, I'm very sort of, I guess, humility is a big value of mine. And I'm actually an introvert. Everyone thinks I'm an extrovert, but I'm not. Um, yeah. it's funny that I've, you know, created this movement of kindness now. Um, but I would argue that kindness inspires kindness. So it's almost like, you know, you see the female athletes and things like that. And they've now got hero posters of their favorite, like little girls have favorite posters of their, mm-hmm. you know, their best female athletes and all that kind of stuff. And everyone always says, you you got to see it to believe it. Um, or you can't be, I can't even remember the slogan, but I'd say the same thing about kindness. When we see kindness in action, so if you just like you're sitting at a pub or you're at the beach and you see someone approach another person and and are kind to them or help them or something like that, it it makes us feel good just witnessing it, right? So if we... A bit like a smile, like if you see someone smiling at someone else, you're not going to probably frown at that unless 
you're in a bad place. But usually, it, yeah, it's a ripple effect. I, absolutely. And I don't think you can ever measure one act of kindness and the ripple effect that that can have. And so um, we know that when we're in a kind state, we're in the most oxytocin state that we can be. So that is when we're giving or receiving kindness. It doesn't matter which way it goes, um, which is, you know. The Interesting because yeah. a lot of people would assume that, yeah, being on the receiving end possibly might be more beneficial but I I mean I would definitely say on the giving side you're going to get more feel good just going back to your point of um whether it's you know you're doing it to be seen to be doing it and putting it online or whatever I think to break it right down is it needs to have the right intention behind it if you're giving with an expectation of wanting to receive you're probably not giving with the right um frame of mind like yeah I think that there's more power behind an act of kindness when you honestly hand on heart can say you don't want to receive anything in return you're just giving for giving sake full stop you're being kind for being kind sake full stop like I think there's too much expectation or I've done this so now you owe me one which kind of yeah. completely takes away from being authentic or or not. So yeah, I was um, in a business meeting the other day and someone said to me, I don't know them very well, and he said, um, oh, I can help you with that. Um, I know the guy that does this. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And uh, I said, do you know him well? He said, no, but um, I have social currency with him. And um, I, I'd never heard of that. And I said, what, what, what's that? And he said, well, I've done him favours. He owes me. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, oh, is that how... Is that how it works? And immediately I was like, I think I'll be all right. Hey, like I don't really know if I want – that just seemed a bit off to me. Like I was just like, oh, you don't help people for – well, you're a perfect example of this. I think, you know, I'm I'm not sure how we exactly cross paths, but last night actually I was – my partner said to me – what, what have you got on tomorrow? How's your week starting? And I said, oh, I've got a few things going on, you know, book related. Uh, I've got a couple of meetings in the afternoon. I said, I'm doing a podcast um, at about 10 o'clock Sydney time. And he said to me, um, he said, oh, what's it, what's it about? And I said, oh, it's, it's with this woman. And I said, actually, see the painting that's hanging above us? He said, yeah. I said, um, you know, it was three or four years ago. Um, I think I randomly put out to the world that I was searching for this painting of, you know, which looks like the one that's above us. And he said, yeah. And I said, and this person who was a stranger at the time um, essentially is a very talented artist and, and did it for me. So I said, I'm, I'm really excited for this interaction because uh, it'd be a nice sort of full circle moment in that she's obviously a very kind person and I get to sort of share part of my story to help with her podcast. And I don't see that as social currency, but it's a nice reflection back to go, um, you know, when I was in not necessarily need, I didn't need a painting, but I, I really thought that would, you know, bring tranquility to my home and, Again, I think your words earlier were, you know, the universe sometimes transpires and um, shows up for us. Um, that was you showing up for me and, and it's been really nice to be able to sort of chat with you today and, and share part of my story to hopefully elevate your podcast and things like that as well. But um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, in terms of why I did the painting, it's because I was literally moved to tears from your story. I mean, I think the cricket link, you wanted to be a professional cricketer. I'm sure you're well on your way. Um, I don't know how high up you were in the squad or whatever, but um, like for me, I arrived in, in, in Perth. I didn't know a soul. I just had 10 years of um, trying to take my life and, and eating disorders and, and all of the light. And cricket for me was like my family in Perth. I joined a club and it was a mutual friend at the club who I think she's shared that she, you wanted this painting or, or something. And I was literally painting 
water because it's the swimmers from memory yeah and I was literally pe- practicing painting water and like people in the ocean creatures in the ocean and so it's kind of like the universe going Libby you've been given this opportunity to be inspired by this incredible um story this person and so really I've just got to thank you this is sort of like a back and forth thanks like no no honestly thank you um, yeah that's that's what one act of kindness you just having the bravery the strength to share your story to live authentically to be just you're awesome I know you probably don't like compliments um but you're just you're super awesome and the fact that you have made that now your mission to just spread what is your spirit and your kindness out there has like impacted me but the world just tent like it's just so incredible yeah your head should be like massive but it's not (laughs) um so yeah I guess we've we've by example just explained how powerful one act of kindness can be there's certainly loads of examples over the years where people have said years down the track oh because you did that or because someone did this and now I'm doing this five years later like yeah you remember them unless yeah I love that you mentioned it physically changes your chemistry or your hormones as well, like oxytocin levels. Um, It can only add value to your day and the person receiving it. So going, going forward, what's your, I mean, maybe you don't have a plan. Maybe um, your business um, guy, uh, Greg has helped you in in making a bit more of a solid plan, but what are the steps from here now that you're a best-selling author? Where'd you go from here? Um, yeah, I, I, to be honest, I, I take every day as it comes. Um, you know, it's interesting, like my personal plans are very different to Kindness Factory as an organisation. So, you know, when you run a charity, which is what Kindness Factory is, it's, it's, a, it's a public company. So I don't own it um, right. by any stretch and I don't have control over it. So it's government. Do you do, sorry, a little uh, side question. Do you do funding? Do you have like a, a team that get behind doing fundraising or you get um donations I yeah think you're about to just say actually from uh, government our, our our team's very small at the moment um we've got a few people sort of doing uh part-time work and about to employ a gen- general manager and at the moment we're funded by you know a mix of philanthropists as well as um businesses as well who want to sort of gift and and do things like that which is keeping us operational um yeah we have some really big plans for it, which would involve a lot more investment into the charity and things like that. But we're governed by a board. So um, that means that, you know, I, I don't earn a cent working for Kindness Factory. That's just pure love. How I get by and live and do all that kind of stuff is through speaking. So it's a right. it's a great yeah. way to live speaking. Um, but I guess the benefit not only in that it helps me to live and pays my way and all that kind of stuff, but it also, I guess, helps me to elevate the message of kindness factory because for the most part, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the evolution of it um, and, and so forth and how, you know, I started it and why I started it obviously and things like that. So um, yeah, kindness factory um, is a, its own little beast now, which is great. I'm still obviously heavy involved and it's strongest advocate and things like that, but, um, and probably always will be to a, a, a certain extent. But I think for me, um, you know, prior to COVID, I was, I, I lacked balance in life. I, you know, I was so passionate about kindness factory and I still am. Mm-hmm. But I was probably very one-dimensional in that, um, you know, I've got amazing friends and things like that, but rarely did I get to see them because I was always travelling around the world and 
doing stuff and on planes and my schedule was a bit out of control. And then obviously COVID gave me that chance to breathe. And, um, and I, I th- sort of thought to myself, well, a good goal here is that when, when the world opens back up and a good test of this is, you know, I, I want to be able to strive for balance. I don't want it to be just kindness factory and just speaking and just work. I want to, you know, prioritize relationships and um, not necessarily just, um, you know, romantic, but friendships as well. And, and all mm. the relationships that I have with my family and all those sorts of things. And, I feel like for the first time in my life, I've got a really good balance where I can go to work and be very happy there and drive that forward and, you know, do that day to day, speak uh, as well as then, you know, as soon as it's family time or it's um, friend time or if it's, you know, being with my partner and wanting to be present with him, um, then that's fantastic too. And I'm, I'm able to sort of live in each of those moments in the moment, which is great. So um, I've never been great at the, the practice of mindfulness and meditation and stuff like that. But I've found that when I'm around people that I care about the most who mean everything to me, that's that's my form of, of mindfulness. And that's what really allows me to be my best self. And so I had to really prioritize that. And, and you know, that's meant that I've let people down not in where I've pulled out at last minute but more so people will approach me and say can you come and speak at this and I'll say no I've got something with my partner that day or I'm, I'm really choosing to go and see my nephews or um yeah things like mm. that so I've, I've learned to say no but it took a while to be able to get there as well well I think there's a real shift happening across um kind of the western world that I think eastern um countries do this way better where they do put family first and they you know they live generations under one roof where but I think in we're still in a bit of a funny place where if you're seen to be burning out and doing a gazillion different things and juggling all these balls like that's somehow admirable but I think we are shifting now to realizing I think COVID has helped like you said in setting priorities and um, striking for balance is now becoming quite a um a good kind of goal to set rather than can I make a million dollars this year or can I like climb the corporate ladder so that's so refreshing to hear you say that um because it's yeah I think that's we just need to realize what's important and also and I've said this so many times but if we as individuals can fill up our own cups whether that's getting a bit of nature whether it's playing sport whether it's just having a bit of silence or connecting with friends or whatever making time for what we need to be our best version of ourselves then that's going to empower each of us to give more and if we're if our aim is giving and being kind and leaving the world a better place it's not selfish to say sorry guys actually I'm not going to make that meeting after work hours or I don't want to I don't want to travel on a plane this week or whatever. I mean, that sounds weird. Yeah. I, that's not part of my life. But, that um, comes, yeah, that comes like that really comes back to the, you know the most important form of kindness, in my opinion, is is kindness to self. Yes. Um, oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. it's because um, I think a lot of people go, "Oh, you must be the kindest person in the world because you're always." And it's like, "Well, no, but I'm also kind to myself." And I had to learn that the hard way. I remember. A great analogy, you know, whenever we get onto a plane, the first message we hear is the the safety message. In case of an emergency, oxygen mask will fall down from the ceiling. Put yours on first before helping others. Yeah. Um, and when I used to hear that, I was like, well, what a crock of shit. Like, if I, if I heard that, <laughs> I, if, if, I, if I was sitting next to my nephew or yes, yeah. someone like that and an emergency happens, I would absolutely put their mask on first. No doubt about it. I just couldn't live with myself. And, and you have to learn the hard way that if we don't you know the the number one person that we need to look at and it's not 
selfish like some people might think it's actually very selfless because mm-hmm. when we look after ourselves and when we're kind to ourselves we can be kind to others but if we're not in a well enough state to be able to give then we're only sacrificing ourselves in the process yeah. and I give the example of my mum with that she um, left to do a holiday actually to Australia my twin sisters were 12 and I was 11 at the time so she'd had 12 years of raising three kids and it was the first time she'd had a holiday and my sister's like oh you're so sad and Nina goes it's just a little there and I maybe I was I'm like an old lady as a kid my mindset but I said to her mum that's amazing because you've not had 12 you've had 12 years like fully giving to us and she came back a different woman it was just a two-week holiday but like it was an act of kindness for herself first and foremost to give herself a break but then the mum that she could be rejuvenated and relaxed and just put everything in perspective I mean she divorced my dad after that so not not great but in terms of like it gave gave her the ability to then be a better mum so it had only had a positive knock on effect I think mum's caregivers parents do struggle with that um but you've got to you've got I'm so glad you said that Kath that you've got to put yourself um well not first but you yeah you've just got to be kind to yourself and I mean we could talk a whole other podcast I'm so passionate about this about um how we speak to ourselves hey sorry. oh we just cut out there so sorry I was get. I'm so enthralled our time is up so um we'll wrap up but yes leaving on that last message of kindness to yourself I think that's incredible um let me give you an opportunity please to just spread your um your socials your book that I've got in front of me it's just um, called kindness anything else that you want to say just to summarize um as a leaving message I think Um, you've inspired everyone so (laughs) don't you say anything more but go ahead yeah, I mean, um, love you so all, all head on to kindnessfactory.com and <clears throat> log an act of kindness there. So that's probably the easiest way that you can sort of, I guess, support um, our mission. It's free. It doesn't cost anyone anything. We don't get anything out of it apart from the satisfaction of knowing that you've been out there doing something. If you've got kids or um, or just any little people in your life, it doesn't have to be kids, just, you know, um, could be anyone um and you want to i guess help them to understand the the craps and the depth of kindness uh you can access the kindness curriculum so that's just the kindness curriculum.com um and get around that um and then yeah i mean for for me personally if you wanted to follow along me or kindness factory social media it's just kath koshal uh all one word and for kindness factory it's just kindness factory obviously no gaps spaces etc um all that kind of stuff but um yeah that, that's probably all I've got left to say amazing thank you so much I'm glad you've said you'll pronounce your name because I've called you Koshel these oh, last um <laughs> not pretentious at all with that like not many people get it right so um, I'm dyslexic so I'll blame it on that yeah um, Kath thank you so so much again um yeah I think I've made it very clear how much I rate you and what you do and I'm really grateful for your time and just grateful that you're doing what you're doing in life and um, you've inspired me which helps me to um, 
do what I do as well, which is just beautiful. So Amazing. thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, all the best with everything. I'm sure you'll just take over the world and you'll be on Oprah before we know it. <laughs> and, um, my aim is to get you to Perth, actually. We've got a huge conference with Mental Health WA every um, couple of years and I keep putting you forward to be a speaker there. So hopefully next one in a, a year and a bit, we'll, um, we'll get you over. Yeah. We can meet in person. It would be great. Amazing. That'd be fantastic. Awesome. All right. You take care. Thank you so much. You too. See See ya. Bye. Bye.